Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg, alongside me Zach Smith, where we tackle the NHL and hockey news throughout the world as we get ready for another exciting week of the NHL season. And Zach, this time I promise I hit the right button this time. We had an awesome podcast recorded last week, but due to yours truly executive producing skills, which apparently his technical skills aren't that great, I uh, messed up on the thing and wasn't able to recover it. However, I promise we have it this time, Zach. So, uh, you know what? It's been a crazy hockey week. and Well, why don't we get into the big injury news, Zach, uh, that came down today on uh, Monday, October 28th, that Vladimir Tarasenko is going to have surgery and he's going to be out for five months. What are some of the details surrounding that, Zach? Yeah, obviously a big blow for the St. Louis Blues for the reigning Stanley Cup champs. Uh, he was, you know, listed as questionable for a couple games. It, it was looking like, you know, maybe uh, an injury for a week or two. But, yeah, shoulder surgery, five months. He's heading to the IR, and uh, we'll see what the Blues are able to do, if they're able to sustain some uh, some more of their offensive success without, you know, arguably the best player on their team. Yeah, devastating loss for the St. Louis Blues, and this is a team that's right now – in third position in the Central Division, and actually tied for second with 15 points, 6-3-3. Three, three. Uh, they've had a very good start to the season. No Stanley Cup hangover that we can see. Uh, I, I think the bottom half of the division is weaker than people thought, so there is a chance that they can sustain this, but it's pretty crazy when you think about five months for Vladdy Tarasenko who is their best offensive player. It's a huge loss for the St. Louis Blues, and we'll see how they are able to cope, per se, with the loss of Vladimir Tarasenko. They did win last night 5-4 to four against the Detroit Red Wings in overtime. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously huge for St. Louis, huge for hockey fans everywhere. Tarasenko is one of the most exciting players to watch um, when he's on the ice, so... Yeah, five months, uh, shoulder surgery. We're, we're hoping him a, a quick recovery, and hopefully he'll get back out on the ice soon. Absolutely. Wishing him a very, very speedy recovery. All right, let's go on to our main topic of the day, the Vladimir Tarasenko news, obviously taking a little bit of precedent. The New York Islanders, red hot. They're second place in the Metropolitan Division. They have won seven games in a row. And, Zach, it, it's been some stingy play. They don't really outscore teams a whole lot. You know, it's not a great offensive team, but, you know, stepping out for alarm off, it's been 4-2 so far this year, 2.53 goals against at a 9.18 save percentage. Meanwhile, Thomas Grace, 4-1-0 with a 2.18 goals against, 9.31 save percentage. I guess it doesn't matter who's a goal for the Islanders with Barry Trotz's defensive system. It's quite impressive what the New York Islanders have done. When you consider their best player is Matt Parcell, he has five goals and four assists so far in the season, but it's not like a team that has a big offensive stalwart or a big defensive stalwart on their team. Yeah, and it's we it's weird. We talked about the Islanders, um, their biggest question mark going into the um, into this season that we covered in our off season edition was, you know, who's going to play goalie for them? Uh, they kind of missed out on some of the bigger names in free agency. Um, we knew that their offense was, you know, better than average. Their defense was okay. Goaltending was the big question mark. And right now they're, they're fifth best in the league. Uh, goals against per game at 2.45. Uh, 
um, you know, that's really been one of the bigger surprises in terms of um, not just the, uh, the division they're in, but also the Eastern Conference overall. Like you said, Barzal starting to heat up. He's getting some goals. Uh, their power play, fourth in the NHL, so they're pretty stellar in that regard. Their penalty kill, just average, so um, the goalies are certainly bailing them out there. So we'll see. Seven straight wins puts them at 8-3. and three. Uh, Team to definitely keep an eye on as we head into the, uh, the dog days of the NHL season. Absolutely. This is a team that's just, you know, it's amazing. This is a team that came out of nowhere last year. Remember, they went... Uh, you know, second round of the playoffs last year, sweeping the Penguins in the first round. It's an Islanders team that just continues to get it done. And, you know, Brock Nelson leads the way with 10 points. He has four goals, six assists. Josh Bailey, four goals, five assists. So they're getting contributions. It's a deeper lineup in terms of guys who are being able to contribute at a near point per game pace. So, uh, you know, it's exciting to see what the New York Islanders are doing. They're a team that I thought would be prime for regression and so far they're not showing it yeah definitely they're um they're definitely surprising people i I, the main thing that you know we need to focus on the goaltending from both of their um guys in that has been spectacular so a great story so far early on in the season that brings us into uh the next big topic of the week obviously we had the heritage classic on saturday night the winnipeg jets beat the calgary flames in overtime by a score of two to one I, you know, Matt, I, I think I know your answer on this, but I love these outdoor games. The environment's fun. It's such an exciting night to see. Um, you know, I was watching the pregame. It lo- I don't think it was real snow that was coming down. It might have been snowing throughout the game, but that was a, a scary sight to see as we're getting ready for winter here in Chicago. Yeah. Um, just an awesome game, an awesome environment, and I love that they're adding more and more of these games each season. Yeah, I do too. Look, I, the one thing that bugs me, and I was thinking about this, Zach, is that I feel the Heritage Classic doesn't get its due. It's really early. Like, if you had known, there wasn't, like, a whole lot of hype about this game. And and here's my issue when it comes to the NHL, and and I'll see whether you agree. I think they do a very poor job of promoting non-Winter Classic... not promoting the Winter Classic or the Stadium Series, I think they do a very poor job of promoting the Heritage Classic. You know, when I first saw that it was NBC Sports last week, you know, when I was looking, I was like, why is there Saturday games on NBC Sports? That, that, that doesn't seem right. And you look at it, and I just feel that the Heritage Classic, Classic should come later in the season. And... It should either be later in the season when it means more. Or, if you're going to build it, you know, around Canada, the other option is to do it really early in the season on Canadian Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I mean, I think those are two good options. I agree. You know, it's if you weren't, um, you know, just your, your regular hockey fan who knows what's going on, I don't think you would have known that this game was happening. Um Poor promotion for it. You know, in some of the other Winter Classic games, you'll get promotion across all aspects of social media, commercials for it. People know that it's happening, uh, whether they're hockey fans or not. Not so much the um, the case of the Heritage Classic. So, you know, I agree. They need to do a better job because, you know, hockey in Canada is obviously huge. Um, we need more promotion of it down here in the States because 
that's, you know, part of getting that growing audience for the NHL. Um, especially when you have great games like this, uh, a game that goes into overtime, there's really not much more you can ask for. And, and you know what I love is that they always do the cool jerseys for it. You can boost promotions that way. There's a lot that they really could do with this. Um, we'll see if they, if, you know, they start to promote a little better. I like your idea. Let's put it on Canadian Thanksgiving. Let's, uh, you know, make it a big event. Or even, if you want to make it big, opening night, Heritage Classic. Or maybe not the Heritage Classic, but a, another, you know, Canadian outdoor game. Right. Something to get people excited about these events. Yeah, and I understand that there's a lot of labor that goes involved. And I actually feel that less is more with the outdoor games. But it's Or instead of having a stadium series game, you know, one outdoor game a year in the U.S., then you have one in Canada. Or, or here to do it, you know, there, there's... All kinds of ways to do it. Like, there, it, it is an absolute crying shame that Canada has not hosted a Winter Classic. Agreed. Hockey was born in Canada. There is no reason that the Winter Classic should not have been in Toronto already. It should have been in Montreal already. And it should have been in Ottawa already. You know, and there, there's no reason for the Winter Classic to not be in Canada. And, and I think it's, first of all, it's fantastic that they're doing it in Dallas this year with Nashville and Dallas. But there's no reason that Toronto should have to come you know, to Ann Arbor to play in a Winter Classic. Like, Toronto should have had their own Winter Classic. And Ottawa's the capital city of Canada. So it's just, you know, one day we're, we're going to talk about this, and it'll either be a supplementary podcast on a regular week or something like that, about the fact that the, the Heritage Classic that's not get it to do, and what the NHL needs to do to make the Winter Classic even better. Because I do argue the Winter Classic is one of the best games on the NHL regular season calendar every year. You look forward to it. I, I love it. I'm going to be very intrigued to see what they do in Dallas. But that being said, Canada deserves more outdoor games. Yeah, I agree. And I think in the next few years with some of these uh, up-and-coming you know, young teams that are in Canada. You've got, obviously, some stellar players, both in Edmonton and Toronto. I think we'll see it. We saw Vancouver get the draft this year. Um, you know, the teams are trending in that direction. Let's give them what their, um, you know, what their due is. We, we want to see a game in Canada. Like, wh- why it – okay, I'm going to – I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to stop talking about it because otherwise I'm going to delve into this and it's going to become way too long of a podcast. So – I'm writing it down that, that we're going to do a podcast about like our five favorite outdoor games that we want to see. Because I have one, and I'm not going to spoil it, but Edmonton absolutely deserves a Winter Classic, and I know the perfect team to have them play. So. Perfect. Yeah, I say let's do a, a separate spinoff podcast. Maybe we just do one where it's not just Winter Classic ideas, but you know how to make the NHL a bit more fun. Uh, I like it. Yeah, we'll give our best suggestions to uh, the commissioner who won't hear yes. us out. Adam Lowry was suspended for two games for boarding Oliver uh, Keelington during the game. It was a nasty boarding penalty. Brian Little with the game winner in overtime, as you mentioned. Uh, a, a fun game to watch. And I mean, there's just something when you see a goalie wearing a knit stocking cap. Mm-hmm. Just warms the soul. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to the other hot team in the NHL. That's the Florida Panthers. On an eight-game point streak so far, they are 4-0-4 in their last eight games. Sergei Borowski has played a little bit better, a little bit better, uh, during that stretch. 
Uh, Jonathan Huberto leads the Florida Panthers in points, five goals, eight assists. And how about this? Alexander Barkov has 13 points. Do you know that all 13 of those points, Zach, are assists? And he had one or two last night with the beauty that Aaron Ekblad on the goal early on in the game. And in those last uh, three games, Barkov has seven assists. And in his last six games, he has ten assists. So Alexander Barkov really uh, picking it up for the Florida Panthers, who are tied for third in the Atlantic Division. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're starting to see him put things together. We talked about this because Florida was one of your um, teams that you picked to to go on a pretty good run this season and to have some success in the playoffs. But better. Most of my other picks <laughs> sports are not doing well. Yeah, so you, Thank you, Chargers. So, yeah, so you need this to come together. Um, but we knew, you know, a new coach, a new um, you know, franchise goalie, uh, it takes a little time for those right. pieces to gel. But, yeah, some big wins on this, on this eight-game streak. Uh, they won at Nashville. They won at Edmonton. They also beat Pittsburgh at home. They had a close loss to Colorado in overtime, which is a team that we're both very fond of, we think is uh, among the best in the league. So, yeah, tied for third in the Atlantic, um, starting to move in the right direction. We'll see. I think the biggest thing for them is Bobrovsky needs to keep uh, progressing because while he is getting a little better, uh, the numbers still aren't that great for him, and he's really going to be the, the key to their success for what they do this season. And Bobrovsky usually gets better as the season goes along. So I would not be surprised if we're talking about Bobrovsky as one of the best goalies statistically in the NHL, uh, you know, two, three months down the line when he's had some more time to get comfortable. It takes time to get comfortable to a new defensive system and defense in front of you, but the Florida Panthers have done a great job of making up that early hole that they were in. Um, as we mentioned, you know, 12 points in the last eight games, and I believe they have like 16 right now, or 15, 15 or 16. They've made up a lot of the da- you know, damage, and they haven't fallen too far behind, which is what you need in the NHL with the three-point games. Yep, and Joel Quenville starting to put it together, getting his system in play. Uh, is a great thing to see, which is a uh, an unhappy transition into our next topic, uh, going over Coach Q's former team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, a big win last night against the Kings, 5-1, to one, um, snaps a four-game losing streak. We were talking a little bit about the Hawks uh, earlier this week, Matt, when we saw each other. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's been a rough few weeks um, to the start of the season. Uh, I'm just going to let you go off. What do you think of our Chicago Blackhawks so far? Well, thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to go off because I am going to go off on this team. Uh, they're 3-5-2 in their first 10 games. They just, as you mentioned, beat the Canes last night with a to snap a four-game losing streak. Here's my problem. Okay, Jeremy Colleton went off, I want to say it was after Thursday's game against the Philadelphia Flyers where they lost 4-1, to one. It could have been 6-1. to There were two goals that were offsides that were called back. Here's my issue with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Collinson said it wasn't the Lions. But it is the Lions. Look at what happened last night when you reunited Dylan Strome and Alex Dabrinkat. They both had three-point nights. Three goals between the two of them. Huh, you think that's a coincidence? Because I don't. Alex Dubrincat and Dylan Strom never should have been, you know, split up. They are very clearly better together than when they are apart. And and 
the kind of chemistry that they have, I, I don't, you know, I saw this stat on The Athletic, and I, I want to say that it was written by Scott Powers. This is a team, I believe, when Debrinkat and Strom are on the ice together per 60 minutes, I believe they average like 3.8 points you know, per 60 minutes. Right? Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl combined for actually less than that per 60 minutes when they're on the ice together. It's like 3.4 something. Why Collington insisted on splitting up Strom and Debrinkat is beyond me. And, and I go back to that you can put Kane with that team, with that line and go nuclear, realize that you're not going to have a whole lot of, you know, it's going to be tough to get the puck out of your zone defensively because I truly believe that Jonathan Taze needs to be with some combination of the following four players. Andrew Shaw, Brandon Saad, Dominic Kubelik, and Kirby Dock. I believe that that is your top nine. Those four players, Strom, Debrinkat, Taze, Kane, and maybe I don't know who. I, mean, I guess if you want David Camp because he needs someone to win a faceoff, I'd go with David Camp. But, you know, or Ryan Carpenter. I, I would honestly lead Ryan Carpenter as my third-line center. But anyway, you know, and I think that Taze and Kane need to be split up. Because you have that balance, and, and the Blackhawks were the best when they had that balance, and, you, you know, I give Colleton credit because he had to make a hard decision to scratch, healthy scratch Brent Seabrook for the second time in his career. It, it's very clear that Seabrook's best days are long behind him, and I don't know what the Hots do, but it, it's not just the Lions. It, they don't score on the power play. I believe they're 3 for 30 now on the year in the power play. This power play has been awful. The penalty kill has not been great. Uh, Robin Leonard's been actually really darn good, except for the fluke goal that he gave up against Vegas, uh, which was, what was that, last Tuesday. Uh, Robin Leonard's been pretty darn good. So, I don't know. Look, I think it's the Lions, the power play, the special teams, not great, and they're not good defensively in their own zone. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. We talked a little bit about this last week in our um, now lost and forgotten podcast. Uh, we had some of these same suggestions for how to switch up the lines to get the most, uh, you know, efficiency out of what they're doing on offense. It, the offense has just been bad. Um, right now they're in the bottom of the Central Division. They're tied with Minnesota. Um, bottom 10 in scoring. The power play is bottom five it's under 10 percent right now the penalty kill is just as bad sixth sixth worst in the league at 73.3 percent and listen i think one of the main problems too is some of these guys who have been the cornerstones of this chicago team are just not producing all right you've got taze with two points so far this season keith with two points seabrook with one point you know these are the guys that you need to be scoring but to only have five points between the three of them is um you know, it's just disappointing. You mentioned that Seabrook is a healthy scratch. I don't think that's a good sign, especially when he's taking up such a big cap hit. Um, as you mentioned, his best days are behind him. You're getting no production, um, you know, from the defense, really, other than Gustafson's having an okay start to the season. 
Olimata, two points. As I mentioned, Keith, two points. Seabrook, one point. Calvin DeHaan, one point. Um, Connor Murphy is having his struggles. So, I don't know. It's, you know, it hurts as a Hawks fan because they still have some good players. But I think it's time to to really start embracing the fact that this is what we have to get used to. Um, the time of all those stud cornerstone pieces, it looks like it's behind them. Obviously, we're hoping that they can turn it around. Uh, we mentioned, you know, you've got a chance now with Tarasenko going down. Maybe the Blues start to slip. You know, the division's not quite at least as stacked as we thought it was going to be. It's, it's certainly still as good at the top, but, you know, there's an opportunity there. Leonard's really been the only bright spot for me because he's been fantastic coming into this team. Um, and even Crawford's been disappointing. So I think it's just, you know, maybe time to get used to um, expecting these results. So we'll see if they can turn it around. I think it is. Um, I, I think there is a degree of they're not what we necessarily thought they were. Um, and you look at this and they're, they're struggling. You, you mentioned Taze. Taze has got to get going. But I, I just think that. You know, Jonathan Tate does his best when he has two-way players on his line, and that's what Brandon Saad is, that's what Andrew Shaw is, Dominic Kubelik is, and I think Kirby Doc is. That's why I say, you know, mitts and match. So, you know, if you want Doc to play center, then maybe have Doc play center with Kane. You know, there's no one better to get introduced into the NHL with mm -hmm. than Patrick Kane. Absolutely. So maybe what you do is you put Kubelik and Saad with Tate, and you put Shaw with Kane and Doc. And the reason why I put Shaw with them is because, you, you know, or if you want to have Brandon Saad with them, you know, however you want to do it. Mm -hmm. But Shaw is somebody who's going to make sure that nobody takes shots at Doc and nobody takes shots at Kane. Absolutely. You know, or, or you know, if you want to switch Saad and Shaw, I, I really do feel like they're interchangeable. And, and, you know, Doc has played all up and down the lineup. I, I want to ask you very quickly, Kirby Doc, does he stay in the NHL? Past the nine-game trial with the Hots. He's already played five. He has, I think he has two, three points. He has two points. He got his first two NHL points, goal yep. off his knee. Then he had the assist the other night. Um, I think it was, it was Thursday night on the Brandon Sagal. What do you think? Because I got to tell you, I watch this kid. I'm impressed by how Kirby Doc has looked. He looks like he belongs in the NHL right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I hope they keep him up because, like you said, they've got the flexibility with their top nine to make the changes to get, you know, better offensive production. I think Kirby Doc can be a part of that. Listen, he's the kid's young. Um, he's obviously got raw talent, but raw being, you know, the proper word there because he still has a lot to learn. Yep. I agree. Put him with Kane. Get Shaw there to make sure that both of those guys are taken care of, that no one messes with them. Um, keep Debrinkat and Strom together, throw in whoever you want there. You know, it's there's enough adjustments that can be made, you know, to say that this isn't yet a failed experiment. Um, right. So we'll see if they're able to put those pieces together. Um, I think it comes down to the defense, though. We'll see if they're able to, um, you know, keep the pace of what the offense could possibly do with some small line changes. So, We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if they send Doc back down, but I hope for his, um, you know, his progression that they keep him up. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I actually think he will keep the NHL. It, it's only if you want to move that contract because you're not convinced you're a playoff team. But Kirby Doc, I mean, he's been good, and and he does not look out of place. Nice big body. 
uh, really uses his body well, and, and he's got some moves to him, so uh, I think that that is a good thing. All right, let's get to our power poll, Zach, and I will go first with my number three team. It's the Nashville Predators, 3-0 and last week. They allowed three goals in those three games. They scored 13. These aren't your real... Uh, the Nashville Predators of five years ago, these guys can score. Uh, you know, Matthew Shane, Kyle Turris, they've got a lot of offensive talent. And so I put the Nashville Predators third. Uh, we're going to do a little different format. Rather than going back and forth, I'll name my three. You name your three. I have the Washington Capitals at number two. They have six straight games with a point. They're 5-0-1 in that stretch. They're tied for eighth on the power play. It just doesn't matter. Every year, this Washington team is phenomenal in the regular season. John Carlson, by the way, uh, has over 20 points already. And at last check, he was, I think he's still leading the NHL in points after last night. I think he's uh, tied for second now. Is he tied for second? Yeah, I believe maybe Pasternak. I was just saying, Pas- him Pasternak and Marshawn you know, and, and had a big game uh, yesterday. And so, um, yeah, I will look that up for you. Yeah, I'll find it for you right now. He is, you know, Carlson's been phenomenal. You are right. Yes, he is tied for second with a three-way tie with the power duel of McDavid and Dreisaitl at 21. That's right. David Pasternak had a huge game last night. And the number one team for me, the Buffalo Sabres, 7-2 in their last nine games. They've only lost two games in regulation all year long. This is a team that just continues to get it done. It's it's impressive what the Buffalo Sabres are doing. And we'll see if they continue on what they are. But 9-2-1 in 12 games, incredible what the Buffalo Sabres have done. Yeah, I mean, I think um, those are three great teams that are, you know, it's, it's just that they're putting those three spots. Um, I love your take on Nashville because, like you said, these are not – the Predators of old, their offense, I believe they lead the league in scoring right now in goals per game. Um, their offense has been absolutely stellar. Uh, definitely have some similarities in my power poll. And we'll go three to one. Uh, I've got Washington Capitals as my number three team. Look, what can you say? They're uh, top ten in both sides of the special teams. They're top ten in offense. Um, you know, they can hit you in all four lines with their offensive production. Um, you know, my concern about them is the the goalie play. It hasn't been so great so far. They're in the bottom 10 for goals against per game. Um, their offense is allowing them to overcome that statistic currently. It's hard to uh, to maintain that throughout the year. So right now they've, they've been on absolute tear. I've got Washington Capitals number three. Number two, I have the Boston Bruins, who, as we mentioned with the Blues, you haven't seen really a hangover from the Stanley Cup win. Boston really hasn't had that uh, that hangover either. They've been spectacular. Um, you know, their top offensive guys in Marshawn and uh, Pasternak are coming together, and they're putting up some good points right now, leading the league for Pasternak and um, just a few points behind him, Brad Marshawn. Uh, they've got the best goals against per game in the league. Um, Rask has been absolutely stellar. Uh, top ten penalty kill and the number two overall power play. Um, you know, they're doing the things that, we think the Boston Bruins, you know, and their best teams do. They're just dominating on both ends of the ice, and the goalie play has been spectacular, so they're my number two team. 
number one, same as you, Buffalo Sabres. Um, you know, every week we talk about, like, are they for real? Are yes. they still tricking us? Uh, you know, we're about a month into the season, and we still have them in our top three teams, respectively, both Matt and myself. Um, what else can you say? The offense has been great. Um, you know, Jack Eichel has been phenomenal. Even better has been the goaltending. Um, you know, both net minders have been stellar. They're towards the top in terms of uh, goalie play. So, you know, I don't know yet if I'm able to say it's for real because, as Matt, as you always mention, they did this to us last year. They're known to have good starts to the season. I hope they can maintain it because they are an absolute fun team to watch. Um, so, yeah, I've got them as my number one. Yeah, I look, I, I I think they're for real. They're up two to one right now, let's say, if we speak. They're playing the Arizona Coyotes after one period. But, yeah, I mean, I tend to think they're for real. Uh, I still want to see a little bit more based off of what we've seen before from the Buffalo Sabres. But I, I would agree with you. I, I think that they are they're, they're right there uh, in terms of getting closer and closer to real because they've been through this. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I I can see that. You know, I, I can definitely definitely see that. Um, all right, let, let's get to the most disappointing team so far in the year. We're we're basically a month in. We'll be a month in after this week, and I, I'll go for it. Look, my most disappointing team is the Dallas Stars. This is a team that's four eight and one so far in thirteen games. They have nine points, and you know you play the seventh of your schedule. It has not been good. Here's some stats for you. They've only scored three or more goals in a game three times this year. They're 2-1. and one. They've been shut out twice. They've scored one goal twice as well. They're unsurprisingly 0-4 in those games. But let me give you some stats, okay? Uh, Rupe Hintz leads the team with seven points. Six goals and assists. Miro Heiskanen has three goals and three assists. From the blue line, that's good. Uh... Tyler Sagan, Sagan, six points in 13 games. Jamie Benn, five points. Those two players have three goals combined. Uh, Alexander Radulov, four points in 13 games. John Klingberg, three points. Joe Pavelski, two goals. Corey Perry, one goal. Corey Perry just came back from injury. He's only played six. But look at the, the power play on this team. It's horrendous. It's the second worst in the NHL. They they convert, I believe, at eight percent of the time. It's it's just crazy because this is a team that so much more was expected of them, and, and to be this bad, this really means that you're going to be really up a huge mountain to climb. Yeah, eight point three percent. The only team worse than the Dallas Stars is the Ottawa Senators. On the power play, and it's just—it's been disappointment for the Dallas Stars the entire year, and it's not like they're giving up a ton of goals; they just can't score. Yeah, I mean, we both you and I went off on Dallas last week. Um, you know, just being straight up, I think they stink. Um, they've got the players to do great, and uh, you know, the worst part is Ben Bishop's having a pretty a pretty good yeah. um, you know start to the year. He's allowing 2.34 a game, 920 save percentage. Uh, it's hard to win, you know, when your team's only scoring one or two goals. And, you know, even with stellar goalie play, um, you know, his his record is not indicative of 
what he's been doing. So oh, absolutely not. Yeah, this they, is not a bit bishop. At all. No, he's been he's been having one of the best starts of the year um, for any player, really. So yeah, I this is a team that we thought might be in the conversation for Western Conference Finals, um, but man, they they just stink. I think they stink. Um, they can prove me wrong because they've got the players to do so, but. You know, you list off the stats of what those guys have, and uh, it's, it's just not good. It's not where it needs to be for a team that has such high expectations. Yes. So this was going to be my team as well, but I decided to, to mix it up. Um, and mine's a bit, you know, unorthodox. I don't think you'll see it coming. My most disappointing team so far this season is the New Jersey Devils. Okay. And this is a team that, you know, you and I were probably higher on than we should have been just because we liked some of the additions they made yep. um, in free agency and in trade. They obviously take Jack Hughes, number one, and he's had a good start to his early career. Um, we expected better play, but right now they're at the bottom of the league in terms of points. Um, the goaltending has just been abysmal. I don't know what Corey Schneider's been up to. Um, he seems to look lost when he's out there. Uh, they're fourth to last in goals per game, so their offense isn't putting the points they need on the board. They're second worst uh, goals against per game, which is a bad combination to not score and give up you yep. know, the most goals. Bottom ten in both special teams. This is a team that you know you bring in a guy like P.K. Subban, you bring Jack Hughes in, you think Taylor Hall's going to get going. Um, they've got the pieces there, and Corey Schneider by, you know, by any means has been a good goalie. He hasn't been you know, what we've seen this season. So maybe we were a little overzealous and, you know, thinking that they might be able to make a playoff run or at least be competitive in that conference. Um, but to be at the bottom of the league is, a, is very surprising to me. I've got them as my most disappointing team. We'll be doing a standings in-depth dive uh, within the next week after the first month is over. So look forward to that. Um, the new that was just disappointing. I mean, Jack Hughes is taking a long time to get going. He had, like, I think three points the other night. But other than that, it, it's it's been a struggle for the New Jersey Devils. And it's like they win one, then they take uh, several steps back. So, you know, I don't know if it's just, it takes time. Because we didn't see this in Nashville when P.K. Subban came there. It took time. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to write off the New Jersey Devils yet. But they are kind of getting to that territory with only, what, six points so far. you, you got to start getting some points. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, otherwise you're going to be too far behind. So I, I agree with you. And, and the stats are just staggering. All right. Let's go to our players of the week really quickly. Mine is Brad Marchand from the Boston Bruins. Eight points in three games last week. He had a five-point game last night, two goals and three assists. Three goals, five assists overall for the entire week. Uh, Brad Marchand, that actually catapulted him to fifth in the NHL points race. So Brad Marchand, what a week. Five points, the cap it off five points last night against the New York Rangers in that victory. Uh, so Brad Marchand is my uh, player of the week. It's hard to believe that you used to just think of Brad Marchand as just a, a pest and who would just get on everybody's nerves on purpose. Yeah, well, I still think of him that way. Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> but his, his offensive output's been pretty great. Um, we talked about a lot with Boston. You know, that top line was a bit disappointing in, in their final series against the Blues last year. Um, Pasternak leading the league and scoring Marshawn behind him by just a few points. Uh, it's been a great start for them. 
I've got Pecorine, the goaltender for Nashville, as my player of the week. 2-0 this week. Um, saved 52 of 53 shot attempts uh, on the season. He's allowing just 1.98 goals per game, a 931 save percentage. Um, this is a guy that we had some question marks coming into the season. We knew that Nashville was going to kind of ride or die with Rene. So far, he's been stellar. Uh, I've got him as my player of the week. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, that's a good one. Patrick Rene, he's, he's been great for the Nashville Predators. Yeah, phenomenal. As they've started to climb up the standings. They're only two points by the Colorado Avalanche now. Have had, uh, have had their struggles since mm-hmm. uh, having their unbeaten streak snap. All right, let's go to our game of the week for this week. Uh, I'm going to choose one a little bit later in the week, so you guys have plenty of time to make this appointment viewing. How about this? Friday night, the two best teams so far, the division leaders in the Eastern Conference, the Buffalo Sabres at the Washington Capitals, two power plays that are phenomenal. Buffalo's in the what, third in the NHL in power play. They're almost at 30%. Washington's at 25%. I expect offensive fireworks between Jack Eichel and company against Ovechkin and Carlson and company. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch uh, for some early season Eastern Conference supremacy. Absolutely, and it might even be uh, a quick preview of what we might be looking at in the playoffs, so a great pick there. I've got a game that's a little earlier in the week, actually. It's uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday. I've got the Washington Capitals, the aforementioned Washington Capitals, at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Toronto's a team that I had some big expectations on. Uh, they're still doing pretty well so far this season. Obviously, they've got some offensive firepower of their own. Washington at Toronto starts at 6 p.m. Tuesday. What is tomorrow? The 29th yeah. of October. Um, you know, two of the best scoring teams. Both are bottom 10 in uh, goals allowed per game. So expect the uh, the fireworks to be going off uh, quite often tomorrow night. All right. That you know what. I think that was like third on my list because there was one other one that was on my list and I didn't choose it. I feel like it was, I think it was Colorado at Vegas. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of great games. I'm trying to, as I know you are, switch it up so that I don't just keep picking Colorado and whatever high-powered team they're playing each week. I want to give some love to some other teams. I'm known to have an affinity for picking the (laughs) Vegas Golden Knights in a game to watch because there's so much fun to watch. But, yeah, I wanted to switch it up, and I did. I almost did go Washington and Toronto. I was like, nah, I'm going to go Buffalo and Washington. So, uh, Washington, that's a tough schedule this week. uh, So, we'll find out more about what they are made of. All right, really quickly, um, Zach, let's get into Zach's bets. And, you know, I, I had an interesting name for this, and I thought about Zach's hits. Mm, I like that. Or Smith's hits. There. I think that's a good. I think we're going to go with Smith's hits. Um, and, you know, Matt, you and I have been talking about how we want to obviously market this podcast, but obviously this section as well. Um, I by no means am a betting expert, but I love that part of um, the sports world. And it's always hard. There's so many things changing. Um, So what I think we'll be doing is as long as we're putting these out or we're recording on Mondays, they'll go out Tuesday. I'm going to do my typical three bets um, for the Tuesday games. And then we have a new uh, Twitter up and running. You can find us at PuckheadPod. That's PuckheadPod, no S in there. Uh, we were a little late to the Twitter game, so that's the name we're going with. Uh, I'm going to be doing one pick per day, um, so you'll get about eight to nine picks throughout the week from me. Um, so you can check that out on Twitter there. But let's dive on in. Um, 
we'll be keeping, obviously, a record each week of how I do and see how it goes throughout the season. Two weeks ago, went 2-1. and one. Um, I had the, um, the incorrect pick on Edmonton at Chicago, otherwise hit there. And we won't go into last week's picks because uh, you wouldn't know if I was telling the truth or not. But I definitely went 3-0 and oh last week in my picks. Um, so let's get to the games tomorrow, Tuesday, October 29th. As I mentioned before, Washington at Toronto, two top scoring teams. Um, you know, they're both top 10 in scoring. They're both bottom 10 in goals against per game. They've got the over-under at 6.5. Hammer the over. I mean, I just want to see like an 11-10 to 10 game. Um, they've got the offensive firepower to do it. Either way, I say take the over in that game. My second game, I've got the Flyers at the Pittsburgh Penguins, a good rivalry game for a Tuesday night. Pittsburgh is minus 150 on the money line. Take Pittsburgh. Uh, Philadelphia is just bad on the road. They're 1-3-1, and one, um, and their season is so-so um, at this point so far, so take Pittsburgh on the money line. Last one, we've got um, one of my favorite teams versus a team that struggled, San Jose at the Boston Bruins. The Bruins, minus 200. I say take Boston, but another one I want to go on over under a six. As um, we've spoken about, Rask has been pretty phenomenal. San Jose is having some offensive struggles. Take the under. I'm expecting like a 2-1, a 3-1 game. Boston wins, and they get the under. So those are my three picks for the season. All right. Or for the week, not for the season. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, season's over. Yeah. Done. Uh, anyway, yeah, so you can get more about Smith's hits at our Twitter handle at PuckheadPod. Uh, if you would want to, want to get involved with the show, you have any questions, you can email us at PuckheadsPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll have more exciting content in, as, as we come in and... Maybe a standings update. We'll get Zach's. Maybe maybe Zach can do a weekly betting segment. A quick little hit uh, for you to enjoy as well. Uh, but Zach, I think that's all the time we got, right? Yeah, absolutely. Another great week for, of the NHL season. We've got some good games on the horizon for this week. Um, yeah, it's a great time. It is a great time to be a hockey fan. So, All right, for Zach, I am Matt Rosenberg for Zach Smith. And we will see you guys again next week right here on Puckhead's Podcast. Have a great night, everybody.